Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors. Chris Samino and Rick Summers. Well, here we are in the middle-aged warrior mobile about to take another spin. Buckle up. Heading down the path of middle age. He's Chris. And he's Rick. And together, we, we are the, the middle-aged, middle-aged warriors. warriors. And on today's show, here on the Believe Podcast Network, we're going to spend some time talking about reinvention. Yeah, well, we're not exactly reinventing the wheel here. But... No, nothing you haven't heard before. But if you're going through some sort of transition in your day-to-day Isn't it nice to know that you're not alone? Yeah. Uh, Remember the Billy Joel lyric, life is a series of hellos and goodbyes? You know, we used to joke in broadcasting that you've never really worked unless you've been fired. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) Very true. But as we both know, losing a job at 46 is a lot different than losing a job at 26. Though the sting is still present. Yeah, try 56, my friend. (laughs) But uh, the recovery from something like that can be a lot harder, too. So today on Middle-Aged Warriors, we're all about discussing the different aspects of the road to reclaiming yourself. We're going to introduce you to Jane Hansen and Chris, as Jane is a former colleague of yours at WNBC-TV here in New York. Yeah, I mean, I've known Jane uh, since the middle 90s, and she was there actually when I started at WNBC-TV as a meteorologist. I was filling in, and Jane was anchoring there with Mary Savillo, and you'll hear more about that story in a little bit. But Jane is one of those people who had an amazing television career spanning, you know, easily over 30 plus years combined, but reaching a certain point in her life where she had to make that transition out of television into a different type of career. And I think, you know, she really is flourishing right now. And her story is something uh, that's that's really going to be quite interesting for us to hear. But Jane, again, started out as a reporter at WNBC-TV, then became an anchor, anchored alongside uh, people like Mary Savillo, Matt Lauer, Chuck Scarborough, people in New York. Some of these people are icons. And uh, taught me how to not only you know, have fun on the air, but how to make the chemistry really work. Because I think that's important with something like that. So, boy, chick, if you're in the midst (laughs) of a transition yourself, and we've all been there, I think you're going to find what we had to discuss with Jane and what she has to say interesting. So let's get to it. Well, we have a very special guest with us today, and it is a privilege for me to hand it to you to introduce our guest because you guys have such a long history together. Maybe it's not that long. She's not that special. Come on. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought the sh was well, she, off she, for she, long history. <laughs> well, that too. But she is that special. And uh, it's the one and only Jane Hansen. Hi. Oh, thank you, guys. This is fun. This is, well, you know, by the way, we, obviously this is a podcast, so you can't see, but uh, I made a, a lovely spread here. Yes, of you cheese did. and grapes and olives. You and made that statues. yourself? Of course well, yes. Oh, right. I forgot that you are a great gourmet Well, I'm, aficionado. Very, I'm very good at emptying a jar of olives. And, and, <laughs> and these and grapes. grapes. And these grapes. Yeah, that was, that's cool, man. Wow. But uh, not everybody's going to get this, Jane. Do, do understand that. Oh, so well, welcome you. to yeah, welcome Middle, Middle Age Warriors. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about you guys doing this. It's really pretty fun. And yes. I, th- I think it's all about where we kind of all are in life, right? And the main emphasis of this particular episode is we were talking, Rick and I, about when you hit this age, often we're confronted with, 
it's time we have to reinvent ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we are confronted with huge shifts and changes in our lives. Right. But, but we're not ready to say goodbye. So now what do we do? And I thought you were an excellent example of somebody who's really, you've been through it all. Yep. And you are now vibrant, living a, a whole new life experience. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about and that. And smiling as Chris says that, which is great. I am smiling. Well, you got to smile because <laughs> there are some days when if you don't. Yeah. Right. I mean, we've all been there where you wonder what the hell is going to happen to me next. So, well, of course, Chris and I worked together at WNBC for a very long time. I did. By the way, I, I did a little history lesson. You know, I, I wasn't going to I wasn't going to get through this podcast without telling this story. But but I do want to go back to something that really in the day of television, not to say back in the day, but in, in, in the late 70s and early 80s. You when I was saying a kid. It. Yeah. So you started there in 1979. Is that correct? The day after Labor Day. Wow. Now, you were a baby. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but back in the day. And even when I first got started, to get in New York television, you had to have a resume of a few years in Many. a few other markets. Right. How did this happen that you were so young and you ended up in New York? Uh, well, so I was working in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Big market. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 72nd, I think, back then, something <laughs> wow, like that. And then good, I actually. came to number one. And I wanted to move to the East Coast because I grew up in Minnesota, tiny little town. It was always my dream to live in New York. Really? So... My co-anchor at the time, because I was anchoring the 6 and 10 o'clock news there, said to me, I've got this woman I know who's a talent recruiter in New York City. Why don't you call her up? So I did. And I sent her a reel, which, of course, consisted then of much larger tapes. Yeah, yes. They were not... They were like books. Yeah, they were like books. books. So I sent her a tape, and I thought that she was going to give it to someplace like Hartford, maybe, Mm -hmm. or uh, Schenectady, or someplace like that. She calls me back, and she says, I've got a job interview for you at WCBS-TV in New York for their 11 o'clock anchor. And I went, I nearly fell on the floor. Wow. So I fly out to New York... I'm about 23 at the time. Yeah. I fly out to New York. They're looking for an 11 o'clock newscaster. That's, in, that's insane. Like, like, so they meet me, and it's immediate obvious to them that I am like so green behind the ears, and I am absolutely mm. not the person for this job. They're thinking you're the daughter. Yeah, of the they're person like, where the is she? The, yeah. Where's your mother? She's coming yeah. to the so, anchor, right? Um, so they, and it was on a Friday, so they said, stay for the weekend on us, which was really nice, but... I, of course, knew I wasn't getting the job, but I went back home and I told everybody I knew. And by that point, you know, after journalism school, people spread out and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had friends in small markets all over the country, and I go, I'm moving to New York. About three months later, I get a call from a guy named Ron Kershaw at WNBC-TV, only I, of course, think it's a joke. So Ron calls. <laughs> he says, hi, Ron Kershaw at WNBC-TV. And I go, yeah, right. I hung up the phone. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm dead serious. So now he calls back, and, and he says it again. I said, I don't know who this is, but this is not funny. And I hung up again. Oh, okay. He oh, for calls two. back because, yeah, right. imagine, now this is a guy at this. He's thinking, who on earth is this kid? So he calls back. He says, write my number down. <laughs> I wrote the number down and I hung up the phone and I thought, yeah, I'm going to call back. I'm going to call this number and it's going to be some right. joke, right? I call the number and I get WNBC TV, Ron Kershaw's oh office, my and goodness. my heart, <laughs> and my thro- I'm like going, 
oh, I, I, I blew this. That's crazy. And I, I introduced myself, and Ron's secretary was a woman named Terry, and she starts to howl. And she says, we were wondering if you were even going to bother to call right. back. Oh. She goes, nobody's done that to him, and I'm loving every yeah, minute of it. So he gets on the phone, and he's laughing as well. And he says, how soon can you come out for an interview? And meantime, I'm just shaking because I'm thinking, what have I, I done? Oh, my goodness. Anyway, so I, I came out, and um, he offered me the job as a reporter. And I moved to New York about a month and a half later. And when I arrived, I walked in the door and he told me, you know, you really intrigued me by your reporting. I saw what you did. I saw the things you covered and, and, and your anchoring. He says, I think you're exactly the fit that we need here. I'm bringing in a lot of new blood. I want, I want to bring in some youth. We have these wonderful veteran reporters. But I also want to add to, you know, I want, I want to add to that and I want to grow people into the job. And then I get there, blah, blah, blah. And he hands me a bunch of cards, and I go, what are these? And he goes, well, one's a hairstylist, because you got to do something about that hair. <laughs> and, and then he said, and here's, here's somebody who can help you with your clothes. And then here's a voice coach, because you got say, those did, flat A's and drop die and Did you say, don't you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, really. <laughs> and I go, but I thought you really liked me. <laughs> He was molding you. You were an attractive piece of clay. We sort of like you. Yeah, just a little icing on the top. That's all it is. Well, so to that point... Fast forward now to 1995, September, and this was my debut, which also came about in a very strange way. I I had just come up. I was freelancing in Philadelphia, came up for an interview. They were looking for somebody because they needed a freelancer. I believe Al was going to take some time off for his honeymoon. Al being Al Roker. Al Roker. Mm -hmm. Right. And thanks for clearing that up. All of a sudden, just having a conversation with Jane here. (laughs) That's why I'm here. On that particular day... Apparently, Joe Witte, who was the morning right. weather person, who mm-hmm. you were at that point doing the morning show, anchoring the morning show, he had called out sick. And while I was there for the interview, they said, how would you like to do today in New York, tomorrow morning? I was like, uh, <laughs> wow. Gee, I don't know. It's laundry day tomorrow. It's whites <laughs> and socks. I can't. No, I'll be there. So it was you and Mary, Mary Sevillo. Which, by the way, historically, a little background on that. First uh, female anchor team. Yeah. yeah, first female anchor team ever. And the thing about Mary is that Matt Lauer had been doing this show with me, and Matt got bumped to, well, you know that other thing that's on in the morning? What's that show called? Yeah. The uh, Yesterday yeah. Show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Today show. show. So they were looking for a replacement for Matt and brought in guy after guy after guy after guy. And uh, none of them fit the... They were never quite bolster enough for our then boss, a guy named Bill, Bill Bolster. bolster. So, so Bill one day is looking at the rating sheet as he did every day, and in his kind, endearing way, he went, what the hell? These girls are kicking it. Why am I thinking about a boy to be there when Mary's... (laughs) That's how we talked. (laughs) And Mary's got it. He goes, you know what? You girls are doing this show from now on. And we did. And not only that, but he wrote this contract for us that... Um, I don't know if you ever had this in your contracts, but he put bonuses in for not mm. just our show, but for the Today Show. And yeah, on the it. ratings. Yeah. Yep. And it was really quite amazing. You mean you guys were bonus based on how the Today the Show performed? Yes, because the thought back uh, then was if they're with you, if they start with you, they'll stay. They'll the stay. You were like the we were the lead in. in. Yeah. And if we weren't any good, they weren't going to get a good start. Yeah, well, the thing, to be perfectly honest, I mean, uh, both Jane and Mary could not have been nicer to this boy who's now pooping in his pants, quite frankly, <laughs> making his New York debut. The good thing was I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. Off I went back to my home in New Jersey. I walked in and told my wife, um, I'm going to be on WNBC's Today in New York show tomorrow. I was like, <laughs> what? So I really didn't have a lot of time to think about it. But you guys really made me feel comfortable stepping into that. You know, television is television. When you kind of break it down, 
you're in a studio, you're in front of a camera, and you're doing your thing. Where you're doing it shouldn't necessarily be that much of an impact on what you're feeling at the moment, but it is. It's New York. It mm -hmm. was the number one market. I was coming out of places like Scranton and Cincinnati and, and Philadelphia, which was a pretty good market, but this was home. Right. Well, and that's the other thing for you. Yeah. It was everybody that right. you knew growing up, right. your family, they could all turn it on and watch you. Right. And I think there's some additional pressure from that. I didn't have that because my family was all back in the Midwest. No, but there is something to be said because I do remember, you know, debuting in the other markets. There's always a little anxiousness and, and, and excitement about starting in a new place. But knowing that nobody here knows me mm -hmm. made it easier. Right. Yeah. Coming to New York was sort of now the micro, you're under the microscope. And yeah. yeah. Everybody is watching. You can't get away with anything and you but, never did. But Jane was nice for a while. And then as we went down the road a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and I started working more regularly there, uh, there was an incident. Uh, they were making fun of a tie I was wearing one day. Yeah. And I think it was Dean Shepard was doing the CNBC reports. I remember mm -hmm. Dean. And yeah, and Jane, uh, by the way, Mary always played nice. This one over here, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, wait a minute. <laughs> you know what? It's because of all those upbringings in those cold, harsh winters. That's true. Yeah. This, this you is remember a little... winter? <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately, I try never to go back to Minnesota. Don't go back there. <laughs> But the story quickly went that they were making fun of my tie, and then she made Dean jump in on it. And I just turned to Jane and I said, you know, I don't remember you being this mean when I was a kid watching you on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. And the gloves, and were, the gloves were off. off. That's it, man. But, uh, but uh, you know, I think we both always had a tremendous mutual respect for each other, and working together was, was a lot of fun there. So as we fast forward, my thought, being 23, doing what you did, which mm -hmm. was, she was kind of brazen, wasn't she? Uh, right? I would say so, yeah. Well, that's because you, you, know, you think you're completely immortal when you're in the 20s. Right. So now let's fast forward. You go through your television career. Fast forward to this time where suddenly your career is not necessarily going to be in television the rest of the way through. How did you approach it? Did, did you take some of that sort of daredevil approach to the next leap of your career, the way you did back when you were 23? Or did you use all of the experiences you had to help you make this adjustment now and reinventing yourself? I'm not sure I even gave it that much thought. Really? Yeah, because what happened is I was going through a very tough time when I, you know, I left NBC once and then I came back again for a short period of time to do another show. Mm -hmm. But during that time that I was gone, I was having a crisis in my marriage my mother, who had Alzheimer's, no longer recognized me. Oh, my goodness. And so there were some really tough things going on. And when I left television that time, I thought to myself, because I was immediately told by my agent, who I subsequently fired pretty quickly, that, oh, no problem. Come on. They, got, they want you over at ABC. Let's just go right over there. And I said, no, this is a time for me to really reflect on what do I want. I don't want those tough deadlines anymore. I don't want the pressure of having to perform every day. I knew what I didn't want. What I didn't know was what I did want. Mm -hmm. So I kind of started to just explore a few things. Was that instilled from your upbringing? I mean, is this something that you just happened upon as you got a little bit older and said, wow, I have these qualities that I, I need to act on because to get to arrive at that destination is pretty amazing. And it's kind of where we all are in middle age. Is yeah. 
I think for me, it was a matter of being overwhelmed. I'd worked at WNBC for 27 years yeah. by that point. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, as a woman in that business, I was pretty proud of the fact that I was still there. Absolutely. I'd seen a yeah. lot of people uh, come and go. I mean, oh, you yeah. and I could go through a list of oh, sure. <laughs> a hundred plus it's people a litany. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. we saw come through our doors that didn't last for long. So I was pretty proud of that. And, and I had amazing experiences. I mean, I traveled the world. And as you know, we met everybody. You, mm -hmm. you, know, you right. name them, we met them right. and interviewed them. I recently put this picture up of Desmond Tutu that I was interviewing the day he was yeah. told he won the Nobel Peace Prize. I, that, yeah. I mean, you just like these things, just they're all there. And I thought, I'm not sure it's ever going to get any better than this at this job. And it's time for me to change it up. And this is the world's way of saying, let's mm -hmm. move it on, kiddo, and figure out what you want. Now, do you feel in this sense of this transition. Growing up, clearly, the dream was to be a news anchor, I'm assuming, in New York. I mean, mm -hmm. that's kind of, now you fulfill that. What stops you from going, well, you know what? I'm gonna close up my tent, fold up my tent, and just kind of chill, and, and I don't really have to do anything, or I'll figure out a way of not. Why did you want to reinvent yourself? Why did you want to get into something again with some passion, which is what you're doing now, and we should talk about that too, what you're mm -hmm. doing now. Well, for the same reason you guys do. For the mm -hmm. same reason you're doing this podcast. You're curious about the world. You're interested. You've got more to give. You don't know what that right. is. Right. But you've got more that you... Yeah, you could take your dog for a walk and have great lunches and et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> okay. <but>, Rick's <laughs> <laughs> gone. <laughs> I'm out of here. Is this something I said? <laughs> no. We'll get the leash. <laughs> uh, but I think it's, it's just about believing that you're not done yet. And honestly, as a woman, too, because... I think we all had to fight so hard to get to where we were. I mean, the very first television station I ever worked at, and at that station in Iowa, I was the only woman on the staff, and I did everything from hosting shows and anchoring and producing and reporting, and I knew how tough it was, and I felt like as a woman it was important to kind of keep going and to talk about these experiences. That's where it came from, but I also knew that there are a lot of things I could do. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to try doing them. Speaking of you, so you bring up the topic, which is, you know, very poignant. Obviously, you're a woman. I've noticed that. Have you noticed she's I, a woman? I yeah. have. <laughs> and, but reaching this point, this show is geared, you know, middle-aged warriors. It's two guys. Mm -hmm. But I really did want to hear the voice of a woman who's dealing with this and, and going through the same things. But what are the disadvantages, do you feel, hitting this point in your life as a woman? And what are the advantages? Well, are there any in that case? Well, you know, it's interesting because I had this conversation with my daughter recently, and I'm talking to her about, you don't know what it was like, you know, when I just got out of college and all this stuff, and, and what it was like being a woman. She goes, I think it was easier then. And I oh, go, Oh, I hear that all the time. I, yeah. And I said, How is that possible? I go, There were no women doing what I wanted to do. The only women on television were weather casters. And yeah, we've gone yeah. full circle again, haven't yeah, we? Have but anyway, we <laughs> but um, so. I thought about it and I thought, well, maybe I did have an opportunity as a woman because they all needed one. And so I got to be that one at that first job and that's mm -hmm. how I got into it. So right now, I think that women's voices are being heard more, but I think women over the age of 50 still have a lot of difficulty. Yeah. And that's the reason I went back and took the second job at NBC that I did, which was hosting this show called New York Live. Mm -hmm. When I was approached by it, I said, nope won't do it. No, 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 want no part of that. And then they kept talking to me and talking to me and talking to me. And I finally said, you know what? At my age, this might be a really good thing to do. Mm -hmm. So I did it. And that's why. Yeah, I mean, that's the only reason I really did it. 
was to have that free show. Yeah, was to have that female voice Mm -hmm. who's not 20 or 30 there. And the audience identified with it. And Mm -hmm. it was was pretty cool. I was going to ask, kind of as a non sequitur, do you ever remember the first time you ever said, you know, when I was your age? Of course. Mm. I hate saying it. I know. (laughs) And, And you know what? The other thing is, because we're in a world where we're so healthy older, and because, thankfully, I can still say this today, my brain is kind of here. Mm-hmm. Um, important part. Yeah, an important part. Another um, glass of wine, by the way. That's what helps the brain work. Yeah. Yeah. For me. I, I think that, that we have an opportunity to be able to use our talents and our skills and to prove that we're still viable, that we still can prove of service. Mm-hmm. And remember the retirement, I mean, retirement age is what, officially 62, 65. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to take money out of your IRA when you're, what, 70 or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's all these rules that I think are continually being broken by this group of people that are of that baby boomer generation. Right. And that was the same generation, the front end, the, the, the older half of that, are the ones who helped stop the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, young women were burning their bras and were fighting for jobs that are now commonplace for women to have. So I wonder, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I sometimes think that maybe it's a continuation of that spirit of that generation that has always existed. I have a follow-up, and that is, if you could go back to that age, would you do it? To Hmm. what, being in my 20s? Yeah. Hmm. I'd like to look like I was. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. And have the knowledge that we have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. I had you still look terrific, by yes. the way. So Thank should, you. I had so much fun in my 20s and 30s as a young girl. I mean, as a young woman. woman. I grew up. I've lived in New York longer than I ever lived in my home state of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've lived here ever since. Right. And I grew up here. I mean, my 20s and my 30s were all spent, which is. A pretty formative time of your life. Mm -hmm. I did that all in New York and in a very heady kind of position and where you had to make a lot of choices every day and where you were given a certain amount of power because what we said on TV really resonated. That was all me becoming an adult Mm -hmm. in a very big job in a very big city. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But one of the things to combine, we were talking about ratings before and talking about the relevancy that 50 plus year olds and 60 plus year olds now have in society we're still growing where i think generations prior they were already starting to shut down the factory and closing up the shop exactly we're opening up new shops and it's relevant but yet ratings are still taking 25 to 54 and rick and i were talking about once we were 55 it was so depressing like we didn't exist that means we don't we're out of the demo we don't we don't matter anymore and the most hilarious part is who watches television my 20 something daughter does not watch television news i mean if they want to watch news they've got all this stuff reddit and all these other things they're looking at and who has exposable income generally speaking it's people once the kids the colleges are paid they're in their 50s and 60s exactly that's what advertisers want i don't get this i I, just don't get it so maybe we could talk about why things aren't working so well for them by the way Uh, turn on uh, any television newscast what are the ads for yeah Hard pills. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, They're pharmaceutical uh, ads. Walk-in showers. Erection. medication. That's right. Yes. Erection disorder. Uh, um, uh, yeah, high blood pressure. I, yeah, absolutely. So they may think that the ratings are for that crowd, but... 
Who's buying the time on television? Well, and, and I think the industry itself, to be honest, is at a crossroads. And I don't really think they know what to do right now. It's, it's transitioning to a place that it's never going to come back. Where I think in the past, you know, watching a particular newscast was handed down generationally. It would be, well, my parents watched Eyewitness right. News. And my parents watched uh, Live at Five. And that's and, what I watched. And that's how it happened for me. I grew, yeah. up, in a, now, you I know, grew up in a Channel 4 household. Oh, thank I, the Lord. I, I grew <laughs> you up were with, the one. No. I grew up with Chuck and Sue. Right. And NBC was always my go-to. Right. Truthfully, I mean, through the 90s, I was glued to the Today Show. I watched, and again, I think of 9-11. I think of that morning oh sitting God. in my kitchen up in Connecticut watching uh, the cut-ins and, and watching mm-hmm. what happened. I asked Chris this morning, before we sat down to record, I couldn't remember if he was on yeah, 9-11. We, we, I do well, remember Jane and watching I were there, right? Yeah, I was the first person to go on the air. At I, I remember that. Right. And... Um, and I was sitting in the studio because, frankly, I was waiting for a, to go to a fashion show. I was going to do less cutting and zip right. out the door. And I hear this sound in my ear from one of our, our then-producer, Jamie, I think it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she said, um, something's just hit the World Trade Center, and you're going on the air. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, we have that music, you know. And I go, this has happened, and we don't know what it is. And then, of course, they started searching for people to talk to. And the first person I talked to was a janitor, his name is Anthony, and he lived on West 12th Street, and he was taking out the garbage when he saw the first plane hit the tower. Oh my goodness. And he goes, he said, it was, and we thought it was a little plane right. at first. Right. He goes, it was one of those big ones. It was blue and silver. And he goes, and I swear, it revved up its engine as it was heading for that. I think it aimed for that tower and pray because everybody's dead. Oh and I goodness. went, oh my I go, you can't say that. Oh, wow. And I said, Anthony, we don't know anything. I just oh, need wow. your description of what you saw. Yeah. We don't know anything about victims. We know nothing. Turns out the guy was actually right. Right, yeah. But... Well, we had to you, get we yeah. had to get him back on some kind of a track, and right. I had nowhere to go other than the picture mm-hmm. that we had from the Empire State Building and the you know the knowledge that something had hit, and we didn't know what it was. So from that point, like for you, what is going through your head at that point? Are you fast forwarding and thinking, is this a terrorist act, or you don't even have the time to think about that because now you're talking to people mm-hmm. and you're just trying to get the story, trying to get information, get the information, get the facts. So you didn't really project anything in your head particularly at that point? No, because I couldn't go there because I didn't have enough information to know right. where to go. And there truly was no information for a long time oh, because right. every city officials was down there. We thought for a long time that Giuliani was dead, that the police commissioner right. was dead, that the fire Our commissioner, commissioner were, we thought they were all dead because they'd gone to that emergency center in right. Tower 4, I think right. it was in. And um, so, and the lack of information was pretty startling. And by the way... I was on the air for until four or five that afternoon right. straight, yeah. and other people kept coming and going, but I just stayed there. And in between time, I remember Jim Rosenfield and I were on the air, and in between times when we were live with a reporter in the field, we'd both be dialing our kids' schools to make sure the kids okay. Right. Yeah. So and everybody it was a crazy was. time. Oh yeah. One day we're gonna have to do a nine eleven retrospective show for middle aged warriors. Well, I'm because... sure, there's a, and there's a lot of folks who have yeah, have stories yeah. About that changed that. their that changed their lives and completely right. revolutionized what they were doing with them. So with that in mind, let's go to the television side first. In your career, mm-hmm. what was your most favorite interview? The thing that really you were so proud of and, and was so amazed that you had the opportunity to do. 
You know, I don't know that I have an answer for that. Yeah, I was going to say, because I have a feeling you might have a problem. Because there's so so many. Yeah. I mean, the thing I referred to with Desmond Tutu right. winning the Nobel Peace Prize while I'm sitting there. I mean, I interviewed Ronald Reagan, couldn't have been, and, and that was iconic to me. There were, I think I've interviewed almost every president. Wow. I think the interviews that touched me the most are the ones that actually truly made a difference. Mm. Like sometimes we do a story about a really sick kid. And all of a sudden, there'd be some miraculous help that would come move from people. afar and that it would move people. Some celebrities were, were really terrific and some were not so nice. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, yeah. uh, always a bit, and that's always a thing. I don't know if I had mentioned to you, Rick. Jeffrey Lyons used to have a uh, movie review show mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was done in the same studio. And for whatever reason, Jeffrey always liked me. I can't. He didn't know me well enough. So that's why he always still liked me. And he, he would always. Well, that's t- my problem, Joe. I just don't know you well enough. Exactly. But he was always so sweet. And and no matter who the guest, if I was in the weather center, which was still part of that studio, he would bring them over either after or before the interview and introduce. You know, I want you to meet my favorite weatherman. And I was like, and I met so many so many celebrities along the line. There was there any one particular uh, story though that you covered that you feel represented the best work you ever did in your career? One of the things I remember, and this is so weird, uh, there was this kid that was lost, he was abducted in New Jersey. I don't remember his name, and he was missing for quite a while. And there had been a, um, a psychic who had I talked to, and she said, he's at a spot where there's noise like hammering. And she told me all this weird stuff. For some reason, and I can't remember it exactly now, but I ended up going to this particular kind of warehouse site in New Jersey, kind of upon her suggestion, but it was also related to a possible suspect and who had abducted this kid. And I'm standing there doing my stand-up, and all of a sudden I hear, knock, 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 knock. And sure enough, they found the kid that in that area not oh, too wow. long later. Wow. So that was one of those things where you're like, Whoa! Yeah, that's a. And then it became a Law and Order episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did take a lot of. I mean, a yeah, lot of from, what we reported on, they yeah, became probably. Law and Order yeah, episodes. Probably. I love doing live TV, being out in the middle of a hurricane. I don't know why, but I like that stuff. The Weather Channel still has an opening if you're interested. <laughs> <the game. laughs> as long as I don't have to. As long as I don't have to have a deadline. Yeah, exactly. Um, I love doing live TV because that to me was always so much more fun for two reasons: a) nobody could put words in my mouth or edit anything true. I did. That's very true. And the second thing was there's so much adrenaline that flows right. in it, and so doing that to me, all those all those live things we did over years, going to the Olympics in Athens was a pretty big yeah, moment, be cool. and I'll never forget. Sitting in the stadium watching, who was it? It wasn't Michael Phelps. It was somebody winning this swimming gold medal, and he's standing up on the riser, and you've got the seven hills, and the sun is setting, and they're playing the national anthem. You can't get it. I mean, like, (laughs) tears are rolling down my face. That's probably one of my most unforgettable moments. You're listening to The Middle Age Warriors on the Believe Podcast Network with more of our interview with former New York TV news anchor Jane Hansen about transitioning your life and career at middle age. And now Chris holds Jane's feet to the fire. What the hell are you doing now, Jane? So I am a communications media and video training coach. So what I do is I help people learn how to present themselves better. And what's so interesting about that is I discovered that one of the biggest skills that has helped me do that is the ability to edit. And I don't mean video, but to edit 
in your head. Yeah, no so I learned that all that reporting over those years, all that having to take a whole lot of information and put it into something really small, turned me into being really good at doing that. Right. That and then helping them learn how to speak better. Communicate better. I love the quote on your website because I did my homework. <laughs> but that quote... Uh, she has a website? I don't yes. know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just it, threw an olive at me. I'm sorry. Doesn't everybody have one? Uh, you missed. And, and I may miss... I saw it late last night, but it was prepare to fail or fail to prepare. It's Winston Churchill. Oh, is it? It's a Winston Churchill quote. Oh, I'm glad you gave me credit. Was it a Jane Hansen quote? (laughs) But I (laughs) I, I mean, but that is the truth because sometimes I'll meet people in... And in fact, one of the things that inspired me to do this also, besides Mary Seville, and I'll get to that in a a second, is when I was doing that, that last show with all the celebrities and stuff, and I'd take people down a path of what I thought was going to interest the audience. That's it. All I wanted to do was engage the audience. And we'd get done with the interview and they'd go... I didn't get to say what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And I'd be, not my problem. Because I led you there, and you should have figured out how to get back to what you wanted to talk. So it's one of the things I really teach people is, how do I get back to my message? What I would always say, because I worked in communications for a lifetime, and I would say the one thing that does not exist in communications is communication. <laughs> I would <laughs> laugh. Working it's at lacking TV, anyway. Working yes. at radio stations, doing voiceover work, mm-hmm. or working in television. It's people do not have the ability to concisely make their point mm-hmm. and leave you with what they need to leave you with. Exactly. Instead of a lot of stuff that right. you have to sort through and figure out. Exactly. I mean, it's, a, <laughs> and, and a, it's also... Sorry. God bless you. It's also a part of listening well, too. But I do want to give some credit to Mary Savella, who was sure. my partner back in the 90s with mm-hmm. you on Today in New York, because Mary had started a business that was all about communicating with people. And so when I left NBC, she and I had, had remained very close friends. So we do a lot of projects together, she and I. In fact, we've traveled the world doing training. We've been to Budapest yeah, and sure. Shenzhen uh, in China mm-hmm. and Hong Kong and Dublin and Spain and Germany. I mean, we've been all over the place, you know, working together, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. So it's a really great partnership that we've been able to continue through the years. And um, she gave me some good tips on how to start. So that was really very generous of her. Absolutely. But and we've got a great dynamic partnership. Yeah. Working and together. I have to be honest, that is great to see because you know in the industry uh and i'm not going to get into my story but i'm sure there there are not a lot of people that remained after you disappeared off the horizon so to Mm -hmm. speak in the television world which is the way it works i'm not shocked by that there's always a part of me that's a little disappointed it's it's very disappointing and and i'll tell you what that's what i discovered when i left and then came back when Mm -hmm. i left nbc and came back there was like two and a half years or so in between Between, something like that mm -hmm. So when I left NBC, all of a sudden they disappeared from my life. Right. And I went, oh my God, they were just there because of the TV thing. Yeah. I got back on TV, and guess what? They reappeared. They reappeared. Ta-da! Magically. <laughs> and you know what I did? Well, they don't deserve change your, your number. <laughs> I <laughs> hung up a few times, yeah. and there were many times when I said, isn't this interesting? Where have you been? Why yeah. weren't you there when I needed, needed you? you right? yeah. And I know what you're like now. I've learned something that's very interesting about your character, and I don't like it. Hitting this point of reinventing yourself, the middle age syndrome, if you will, whatever you want to call it, what has been the greatest surprise as you've gotten into these years of your life that maybe you didn't expect to happen? The opportunity. Really? 
And I told you this. Yes, you did. I told you this when you were getting ready to leave NBC. The simplest things have led to amazing opportunity. Mm -hmm. Talking to somebody in an elevator, going on social media and seeing an old somebody you used to know, and you reach out to them and say, hey, what are you up to? And they'll come back and say, you know, I've got this project. You might be interested in it. It's like things show up. Mm -hmm. And they show up because you're open to it. You just have to be completely open, open to it. To me, that's the biggest part of reinventing yourself, is not saying, oh, I'm no longer going to be on TV. I'm going to be a seamstress. You know, it's, right. not, it's like if you make a hard decision, a hard transition, you will be stuck in whatever that mm -hmm. transition is. Mm -hmm. And at this stage of the game, you know too much to put yourself in that place. Right. You don't want to put yourself in a box. You want to try everything, just like you guys are doing this. You're doing, and also the other part is, because I think you're smart enough now to pick and choose, you can say, nah, yeah. don't want to do that. Sure. But you so, can also say, or you can say, I love doing this podcast, this is going to be it. Or, you know what, oh, it's got to be fun. Right. So opportunity and fun are the two key things that I think you really need to look for when you're trying to reinvent yourself. So I shouldn't apply for that job as a seamstress in the no, no, colony? No, 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 no. Is that a bad, is that a bad, is there a little, is it very slow work, very slow so work there? Ways, yeah. Unless you're going to be a seamstress who can forecast the weather, yeah, well, and then, then it's a unique. No, I, I like the nudist colony thing myself, but, you know, that's a whole other thing. Well, that is another story for you. But it, but let me ask you this, though, and, and I'm. You know, I'm, I'm trying to throw as much, you know, what up against the wall. And I think some of the first conversations we had that I had with you post NBC, uh, I will say you've been extremely inspirational. You've steered me and guided me in a lot of ways. That She got a lot nicer. I don't know what happened to her. <laughs> it's because he stopped wearing those ties. That's what it is. Yeah, exactly. But I still run into the, the closed doors the what seems like a great promise of something's going to happen and you get a lot of hot air blown up your ass quite frankly and Absolutely. i don't know how you oh how did God. you deal with that aspect of it? it i treated it just like those people who disappeared mm. you know in those years when i was gone i just had a, a really tough experience this past uh, you know not so long ago i had these guys who had this show that they i signed a contract with them we were going to do this show we were going to start it in january and they disappeared on me and I mean, That's but what I, mean. Like, I wasn't really relying on it. Okay. There's something inside my gut. So I think the other thing is listen to your gut. Mm, yeah. If something sounds either too good or all of a sudden they're not returning phone calls or they're not, you know, something. Yeah. That's what's so amazing about when you were 23 and things actually did come together because at that point, you know, you're just kind of following blindly with optimism and that, that right. wide-eyed optimism coming out of Minnesota to New York and thinking, oh my God, life is great and yeah. everything's going to work out and be wonderful. And I think you get a little bit jaded as we get older. Of course, because we've had things happen to yeah. us. I mean, for God's sakes, your wife died. I, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I got divorced. My Our kids leave home. Well, there's a um, lot of, right? Yeah, a lot of there's... A lot of changes that are not comfortable, that's for sure. So we got a lot of... I don't like to call it baggage. Mm -hmm. I guess it's life experiences. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have them at this age, then where have you been? Right. I mean, have you been living under a rock or it, what? It's dents and dings. It really is. We're all, you know, great vehicles and we can all run at high speed. Some of us not as fast as we used to run, but... <laughs> but uh, you're still in the game, man. And yeah. yeah, we try anyway. So I think that that's... I, I think you can't focus on 
the past. And I sometimes get to that place where I do too much. Mm-hmm. I think about it too much, like what if, what if, what if, what if. Really? Yeah. Still at this point? Just on occasion. Yeah. Yeah. On occasion. Um, you just have to keep thinking, I've got good, solid values. I really trust myself. I believe in myself. I love myself. I think you have to get back to your core. Mm-hmm. It's just got to be in your core that's got to really support you. Trust me, I only say this after having talked to a lot of therapists. <laughs> well, no, I mean, but we all need that. You know, there was, uh, I was talking to a, a, a doctor about that a while ago that we interviewed for the show, and I think it was either Socrates or Plato, a line, a life left unexamined is a life left unlived. You right. need to truly examine you, your life, and who you are to really live your life to the fullest. But it takes time. I also, there's one more thought in this whole process. I think that to have had the careers that we've all had, Mm -hmm. to have seen the things that we've had, to have had, I get chills sometimes when I think about how wonderful what I've done has been to me and sometimes for other people because of what we might have been able to do for them through the Mm -hmm. power of television. But when I think about that, I think that we're all very blessed with a lot of gifts. Yeah. And I think part of this reinvention is also thinking, I need to use those gifts. Mm-hmm. And I really, truly believe that with all my heart. That's a great endorsement for our show because that's yeah. really kind of why we're here. We both have voices. We both have things to say. And we both want to hear from other people from different perspectives. Garth Brooks once had a song called Unanswered Prayers. God's greatest gift are unanswered prayers. What's an unanswered prayer in your life or career? I think I'm actually grateful that I never got one of those big giant jobs like anchoring NBC Nightly News Mm -hmm. because I think it would have taken my life in a direction where my child would have suffered, where I would have lost contact with friends, where I would have been so frantic. I was offered a job as a reporter for the network a long time ago, mm-hmm. and I turned it down for that very reason because of my, you know, my kid and just thinking, what kind of life do I want, and how could that be better than what I'm doing right sure. now? And because you'd be on the road all the time, you, you know, you know how those people live. They don't sure. have that real grounded life, and so I think that's probably the prayer that I'm glad wasn't answered. There you go. But I have some unanswered prayers that I would like to be answered. <laughs> Lottery doesn't count. That doesn't. That doesn't play here. But, no, but I, I, I. Before I forget, because yeah, I guess yeah. we're getting ready to kind of wrap it up. But I wanted you to give a plug to your website and tell a little bit about your business. Okay. I know you did already, but uh, just so um, so my website to... is very simple. It's janehanson.com, and that's Hanson. No. S O N. Oh my God! Oh, I'm your witch, and you're yeah. out. Get out of here. We're not even going to edit that now. There be it. Thanks for playing. That's a keeper. It's H A N S O N. And son. Okay. Like hands, like son of hands. Okay. Or son of Hans. Sort of like how you pronounce my cat's name, which is Chucho. Of course, Jane calls him Chucho like a train, but that's a whole other story. Anyway, continue. Your website. Um, We digress. So it's janehanson.com. It's really all about if people are interested in learning how to present better. And I work with everybody across the board. Corporations, do a lot of work in financial institutions, startups, tech companies, authors, individuals, doctors, you name it, I've worked with them. I work in almost any given area because the skills are the same. Mm -hmm. It's the message that's different. So final question, is there any one particular thing that you still would love to accomplish moving forward? 
that really is like that golden nugget, that golden ring? Is there one more? Or do you even bother putting it out there anymore? I would love to be able to do a show that really focuses on helping people find their true inner self. Mm. I don't know what that is, mm -hmm. and I don't know what that looks like. But I meet so many people in any given day, and especially in today's world where it's such a mess. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's about helping them really find who they truly are and what their gifts are, and then helping them use that. Yeah. I would love to do a show of yeah. that sort. I don't know I it. if it could ever exist, and I don't know. But I love that idea because I go through that perspective all the time, and, and I see people, I and I see the lives they're living, and how many people seemingly are living what's called a successful life, air quotes around that, but they're not happy. There's right. something still missing. And it's because I think from the beginning, we're really not, we're taught to stop paying attention to that inner voice and conform and do what's expected exactly. of us to do. And somebody says, oh, you know what? You'll be a good doctor. You'll be a good lawyer. You'll be a great news anchor. And you start to, you buy into it. You have the skills and lo and behold, you do. And then you get there and you're like, mm, is this, this is okay, is? but this really wasn't it. No. no, that's not it. So I think that journey probably has to start even earlier in life. Can we find it later? Man, I hope so, Jane. I hope you can help us. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I truly believe you can. Yeah. That's what this is all about. What yeah. you're talking about, that's what this is all about. It's finally having maybe the time, mm -hmm. the peace of mind, the confidence, the ability to truly look at yourself. Because God knows you're way too busy when you're in your 20s and your 30s sure. and even your 40s. To, to have that time to take a really deep look at yourself and say, this is what I can do. This is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. This is where I should be. I mean, I think there is nothing like it to be able to reinvent yourself. I think it's the greatest gift of all. I think we're going to leave it right there. That was a great... Yeah, that's a great one. Really. <laughs> we hope, and that's the gift we're hoping, some shape or form as we go through this show as well, that we'll that be we able present, to give back to people. Yeah. And Jane, you've been so gracious to come here today. We hands, appreciate it. Everybody put your everybody hands, hands in. in. Yeah, hands in. Hands in. Right, okay. Yeah. And, and I was saying to Rick before, I said, she's actually our first live guest we've had. Because obviously we've been on the phone. I said, we've ones. had a few dead ones. <laughs> so we're I really bet those <laughs> were really great <laughs> interviews. One, two, three. Millie Warriors! Yay! We'll see you next time. Thanks, Jane. Thank you. Wow. Couldn't have scripted that. That's good stuff. That's the real nugget. Yeah, I mean, to call reinventing yourself kind of the greatest gift of all, but and that's really what a large purpose of the show is, as we deal with that on so many different levels in middle age, we have to reinvent ourselves. And you made a good point, you know, talking about this isn't a male thing or a female thing. It's an everybody thing. Yeah, and I think that's what's important about on this show as we've talked about before, you know, yeah, we're two guys, but big world out there with a lot of women, and we need to work this thing out together. And there are a lot of similarities and common ground. And talking to somebody like Jane, I think that, that was a great example of, you know, we deal with the same types of issues that career women are dealing with as well. Absolutely. So I, think I, I think we should get out of here. Yeah, it's time to call it a, <laughs> make it a wrap. And uh, again, thanks for listening. If you've yeah. gotten this far, uh, until next time, Rick. Yeah, until you click your mouse on us again. We'll see you soon. <laughs> All right. Sunshine always, guys. If you enjoy the show, great to have you with us. Please subscribe and rate our show, preferably of five, on iTunes. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on Believe.com. That's capital B-L-E-A-V.com and at Believe Podcasts.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.